Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting digital. Now, let's tune in to the message for today. Listen, man, this is the last service on Christmas Eve. Y'all, y'all are the real ones. This is the, re- this is the one. Uh, man, I do want to do this. Let me just, it, this has been, these are my favorite services every year. Someday, hopefully many, many years from now when I can't do this anymore, this is what I will miss by far the most. And I just want to say this. Um, I know that uh, we have thousands. I mean, in all of our campuses, thousands of people who maybe you've never been to Lake Point before, and you're like, oh, you know, what did I get myself into? Uh, Lake Point family, can you help me show our guests how honored we are that they're here? Let's do that, man. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, um, I don't have as much uh, time as usual, and so I want to talk to you for a few minutes about don't miss the meaning. Don't miss the meaning. Um, let, let me lead, lead into it. So there, there was a story about three women who died in a car accident at the same time and all went to heaven together. And they were greeted by St. Peter who explained that there was only one rule for heaven. And the rule was don't step on the ducks. That was the rule. Don't step on the ducks. And so um, lady one gets in and sure enough, as soon as they get in, it's like a sea of ducks. Like it's almost impossible not to step on a duck. And sure enough, lady one, day one, makes a misstep, steps on a duck. Immediately, Peter appears with a chain and the ugliest man she has ever seen. And, uh, and he explains that her penalty for stepping on a duck is that she'll be chained to this hideous man for all of eternity. So day two, lady two makes the exact same mistake, steps on a duck, consistency is key. Peter is there, chain, hideous man, uh, explains a penalty is you're gonna be chained to this man for all of eternity. Well, lady three, she was no dummy. And so for months, she just was incredibly careful, making sure no missteps, and she went months without ever stepping on a duck until eventually with no warning for no reason, Peter appeared with a chain and the most gorgeous dude she had ever seen. Tall, the long eyelashes, muscular, Hallmark movie character come to life. And, uh, and he chains her to this man and just disappears and she is dumbfounded. She's just blinking. She looks at the man. She's like, well, I don't know what I did to deserve being chained to you. And he says, well, I don't know what you did, but, but I stepped on a duck. <laughs> now, <laughs> now listen, that's a, that's a delayed reaction. It kind of rolls around the room is what happens on that one. Um, the reason I tell that story is sometimes it's easy to miss meanings from heaven. <laughs> easy to miss meanings. I, I, um, I, I, wanna, 
uh, I want, here's what I want to do. I want to take us on a journey to Bethlehem. Let's go on a journey to Bethlehem. And I, I just want to point this out. I've been there before. Bethlehem, it literally means house of bread. And Jesus said that he was the bread of life. So the bread of life born in the house of bread. Come on, man, that's legit. That's legit. And, and can I just settle this before we all go home and eat? Let me just settle this. Based on bread of life, house of bread, can we all decide to be done with the bread is bad for you foolishness? Can we, we're just, we're just deciding that right. Jesus did not pray, give us this day our daily kale. He did not say he was the broccoli of life. He was the bread of life born in the house of bread. We're gonna eat carbs to the glory of God is what we're gonna do for the next two days. And, uh, and so we're gonna go on a journey to Bethlehem, but we're gonna go in a place that you're, you're not used to going. Um, there are actually four Christmas stories in the Bible, all told from four different vantage points. The first one is in Revelation. I know that's confusing. Some of you, you started reading Revelation as a new Christian and you got to the part about like dragons eating babies and you were like, oh, I didn't know they dropped acid in ancient Rome. I had no idea, man. What's going on there is most of Revelation is, I'm gonna have fun this service. <laughs> this is the last one. Most of Revelation was, is not Revelation about the future. It's Revelation about what's been going on behind the scenes throughout human history in the supernatural. So Revelation 12 is the Christmas story told from the vantage point of eternity. Now, the other one is, is John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that is the Christmas story told from God's vantage point. The third one where most people go at Christmas is in Luke chapter two. It's the longest Christmas story account is told from the vantage point of Mary. Now, the one we're gonna be in today is in, is in Matthew chapter one, it's the shortest account and it's told from Joseph's perspective, which is why it's shorter than the account in Luke chapter two. <clears throat> you know, ask a dude, how was your day? Good, ask Joseph, what happened to the first Christmas? Jesus born, done, that's all he's gotta say. And I just wanna point this out that, you know, can we just, I, I just, because we got a lot of dads in the room who have done what I'm about to describe, can we just give Joseph some love? Jesus was not Joseph's biological father, but as a good, just, and righteous man, he adopts Jesus as his son, stands by him, and raises him as his own. Boy, let's give Joseph some love because there's dads all throughout our church that you're doing that with somebody in your life, and we forget the example of Joseph. And we, sometimes what we forget is how scandalous Joseph's story was. You, just think about this. You're a teenage dude with likely a teenage bride. And one day she just shows up and she's like, Joe, I'm pregnant. And I think if he's anything like me, he was probably like, what's his name? What's his name? And Mary just has to go, well, like, like an angel said that I was pregnant by the whole Holy Spirit. And I think Joseph was like, girl, you, you crazy, you know. But check this out. A lot of times we talk about the faith of Mary. How about the faith of Joseph? Because an angel appears, gives him a word from the Lord and he believes it. He goes, I believe, stands by his girl, walks with her, adopts Jesus and raises him. How about Joseph's faith? How about that? So what Joseph does here is what I wanna read to you is what the angel said to Joseph when he came to him. So uh, let me read, this is Matthew 1. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son 
and watch this, you will give him the name Jesus for he will save his people. Now y'all missed it. We we just missed it. And the reason we missed it is because they were first century Jews and we are 21st century Americans. So we missed it. Now here's why we missed it. When we in English say the English name Jesus, that was not Jesus. Nobody called him Jesus because the name Jesus is not a translation. It's what's called a transliteration. It's where somebody just takes the English letter equivalents of how something was written in another language and uses the same sound. So our English name Jesus is a transliteration of the Greek Iesus. Problem, Jesus was not Greek and he did not speak Greek. So that's not the name they gave him. The name they actually gave him, he was Hebrew. The name they gave him was the name Yeshua which is where we get the English name Joshua, good name, strong name, masculine name, virile name. No. <laughs> if you're new to Lake Point, I'm Josh, you know, let me just get that out there. <clears throat> so the, the name they gave him was Yeshua, which is interesting because it comes from a Hebrew verb. The verb is Yasha, which means, come on somebody, to rescue or to save. That's what his name meant. So when the angel comes, like what the angel literally said is, you shall call his name Yeshua, for he shall yasha his people. So what God did is he went, Joseph, you're not the biological dad. I'm the biological dad. So you don't give the name. I get to give the name and I'm gonna give him a label. His na- Watch this. His name is what he does. And I'm gonna name him the one who saves because what he's gonna be is a savior. That's who, his name is what he does. In fact, l- let me just, take it a step farther, um, you're, you're gonna see this, uh, uh, it's gonna tell us what he's gonna save from. What, what it says right here, you shall give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, uh, let me point this out. A lot of people are like, yes, I love Savior. I, awesome, I, just, I love the fact Jesus is a Savior. But how many of you guys understand that a lot of times when somebody gives a gift, a gift can be offensive because the impartation of the gift sometimes carries an implication about the recipient. Is this making sense? Like, I, I, I don't think it's making sense. So let, let me give an example. So ladies in the room, some of you, um, imagine you're waking up tomorrow morning, it's Christmas morning, and you wake up and you hear everybody shuffling around, oh, okay, everybody's opening presents. So you get up and everybody starts running downstairs in the matching pajamas that you, that you bought that nobody else wants to wear except you. You're the only one who wants to do it for the family pictures. Nobody else wants to do it. And so that's all happening and, and everybody's running downstairs in the matching pajamas for your picture and that they're doing that. And uh, as, they, as you come down the stairs, you notice there's a present with your name on it from your husband and he doesn't usually do that. And all of a sudden, your heart just begins to sweat. I can't, he thought of me. He was thinking about, what. I wonder what he was thinking about me. I, he, you know, his heart must have grown three sizes that day. He was at the mall and you, you're just all thinking about this. And so you run down, you start ripping off you know, the, the wrapping paper from this big old present. But when you open it, it's diet pills and a gym membership. Um, how do we, how will we feel about that, ladies? Some of you are like, I'm fine because I got him Rogaine and breath mints. Even Steven, even Steven is how we're, this is a true story, true story. Last year, a Lake Point member got me a prepaid Visa gift card with a note on it that said, for jeans that are not skinny jeans. Okay, uh, no, don't applaud that, stop, 
Stop that. I see you. Security, get this man. Uh-huh. You see, what I'm driving at is that sometimes a gift is offensive because the impartation of the gift carries an implication about the recipient. And whenever God gave Jesus the name Yeshua, and he said, I'm gonna call him Yeshua because he's gonna, Yesha, he's gonna save you. The implication of that gift is that we are the type of people who need saving. There was an implication, that's you and me. We're the type of people, and we need saving. I'm just gonna show you again what we need saving from. He even said it, you're gonna save his people from their sins. Now, this is a spot in the, the Christmas message where you're, some, if you're new to faith, kicking the tires on, you're like, bro, slow your roll. Like, dude, you make up, yeah, man, I'm, I make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got issues. You may say, but like sinner, like label me a sinner. That's antiquated and judgy. Well, listen, listen, I'm, I'm saying this, like, I love you. This is Bible, this is Bible, not me. This is Bible, not, I love you. I literally wept over you preparing this message. This is Bible, not me. God's answer to that is yes, you are. Yeah, you are, because, because check this out. Mistakers need life coaches, but sinners need saviors. And what God did is he went, you're gonna need, I'm gonna name, his, I'm gonna name him Yeshua because he's gonna, Yeshua. you're gonna need somebody that's gonna save you from your sin. You're gonna need that. Now, if you're like, man, right now, dude, that's not me, I'm not a sinner. Can I just, I wanna prove something to you. You already know that, and I just wanna prove it to you. Can, can I prove it to you? Like, I don't even have to talk about God's rules. You can't even keep your own rules, <laughs> Have you noticed this? Do you know how I know that? Because in a week and a half, you're gonna be making these things called New Year's resolutions. And you did this about 12 months ago. In January, you were like, this is the year, man. And half of you, your New Year's resolution, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds this year. Fast forward to December, only 25 to go. I said, you can't, live. you can't even keep your own rules. In fact, I just wanna point this out. My friend, Joby Martin, he just says it like this. He, he points out, nobody, nobody has ever let you down more than you. Nobody has ever talked to you more disrespectfully than you. Nobody has ever lied to you more than you. You are a liar. And you right now, like, bro, you call me a liar? Yes, I am calling you a liar because you are a liar. I, 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 let, me, let me prove it to you. Tomorrow, you're gonna wake up and you may have bought your kids an electronic. You're gonna turn on the electronic and there's gonna be this thing on there that is it's called the terms and conditions. You're gonna get on there and you're gonna scroll, 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 scroll to the bottom. There's gonna be a little box that says, I have read all the terms and conditions and you're gonna go, click, liar, liar. And bro, me too, me too, man. This is all of us, all of us have failed to live up to a standard. In fact, can I just, I wanna point this out. It, it, it is, listen, have you ever, let me ask this question. Have you ever broken a promise to God? Let me take it a step deeper. What, have you even, broken a promise to you, a little more superficial. What about this? Have you ever said something like this? Um, I will never yell at the kids again. I'm never gonna do it again. I'll never look at that online ever again. Oh, I'm not gonna do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm never gonna sleep with him ever again. I, I'm not, I'm done. I'm putting, I'm not gonna drink ever again. What about this? I'm, I will never use my credit card as therapy ever again. And see, what we do is, well, like even think about this. We have this little phrase that we say around this type of, time of year, and it's a well-meaning phrase. The phrase goes like this, Jesus is the reason for the season. Do you know that's actually not true? You're the reason for the season. Jesus was doing just fine up in heaven pre-Christmas without you. 
But because we are sinners and the type of people who need saviors, we're not mistakers in need of life coaches. We are sinners in need of saviors because that's who we are. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you and your jacked up family and your aunt that's gonna drink too much tonight and your uncle that lies about literally everything and your cousin that is like a real life cousin Eddie that you're literally embarrassed of right now in church, right now, so that all of you, so that we could be reconciled to God in his heart of infinite love for us and adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. That's what he did, he did this. You're the reason for the season. We're the reason that he had to come. And listen, if you don't get this, If you don't understand that his name is Yeshua, his name is what he does, that he's about salvation and not condemnation, if you think he's about condemnation, your whole life will be lived in separation from God. I promise that. Um, I debated about whether or not to do this at a Christmas service, but I'm gonna risk it, and it's gone okay so far, so just check this out. Uh, Just take, take me a second. There's a story in Luke 17 about a leper who, quote, stood far off and called out to Jesus, okay? Now, I'm, I'm gonna show you something about this. I saw somebody illustrate it like this. So just, this is gonna take me a second. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, LeBron, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. That's it. So this is the distance right here. 50 paces from me to the stage is the distance that a leper would have had to keep from someone who was clean out of fear of infecting them or being condemned by them. So 50 paces. And my point is, if you think that God is about condemnation, then you'll spend your whole life keeping separation from him, 50 paces. In fact, let me just take a seat here and... uh, Hey, <laughs> you know, you, you got a bit of a Hallmark movie look to you, my guy. This is a little lumberjack thing going on. I see you. Yeah. You look fine. <laughs> this is my guy Kingsley right here. He looks great. Okay, let me, I'm gonna, let me talk to you for a second. So um, this is at 50 paces, and that's how far that a leper would have to stay away from anybody because they were afraid they'd receive condemnation. And the reason they would do that is leprous spots on skin um, and they'd be afraid somebody sick so they would stay as far as they could. And what happens is for us, it's not the spots on our skin, it's the spots on our soul. And if you believe that God is about condemnation and not salvation, then you'll spend your whole life thinking that if anybody sees my issues, that they'll condemn me and you'll stay away. And so it's stuff like spots on soul, like, man, I got this addiction issue, or man, my family's real jacked up, or I can't stop doing this thing, or there's relational patterns. And if you do that, you'll spend your whole life 
stand 50 paces, 50 steps from grace. I almost thought on this part of the sermon, 50 steps from grace. Not 50 shades, nothing like that. This is 50 steps. And that's, so that's what will happen if you think that God is about condemnation instead of salvation. Now, I want to point something out. Um, so one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is in, is in Isaiah 65, where God says, um, God says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And if you think that God's about condemnation, you'll read the verse like this. You think God's doing this. He's going like, ah, man, gross. Like, I'm so disgusted with you. All day long, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. But remember, God isn't about, Jesus didn't come to condemn, he came to save. He's not about condemnation, about salvation. So what we should do is we should read the verse like this. God's going, man, all day long, all day, come home, man, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate. I just want you to come home, man. Let's come home right now. And so just think about this. That's the whole message of Christmas, that the message of Christmas is God, God's going, man, it doesn't matter how far you go, I'm gonna go farther after you. It doesn't matter how hard you run, I'm gonna run harder to chase you. Uh, it doesn't matter how deep your rebellion is, I'm gonna go even more to redeem you because I got a heart of love for you. I, his name is Yeshua, he came to save. And so my heart is not condemnation, it's salvation. I just wanna bring my kids home and I'll do anything it takes to get them home. I, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come after you. That's the message of Christmas. Now I just, let me point this out. So there's that OG verse we always remember, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. But a lot of people forget John 3, 17. And this is one of those deals where it's like the sequel might be better than the original. Because John 3, 17 is, says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So th this is God's heart for you. Now, some of you here, let, let me just apply this real quick. Some of you here, I'm not an idiot. Not all of you wanted to be at this service. Some of you, you totally got guilted into this and grandma was like, the only thing I want for Christmas is all my grandkids at church with me. And that's what you didn't want to be. But what's happening right now is like something maybe welling up in your heart and you're like, man, like maybe, maybe this is, I do need the Lord in my life. I need something there. But you're going, yeah, but I'm an addict or I'm a failure as a parent or man, I'm a layoff. Hey, remember this, his name is what he does. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. God's got a heart of love for, he just wants you to come home. He just wants you to come home. Or you may be doing this. You may be going, ah, I don't really need all this stuff because like I, I'm already, I'm a good person. Like, let me give a quick disclaimer. I'm, I'm getting ready to say something like you're not supposed to say at a sentimental Christmas service, but I'm gonna say it because I love you. Listen to me. Jesus came for rebellious people, but he was killed by religious people. Your morality may keep you out of jail, but it will take the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. And that's what he came to do. He was born into a cradle to go to a cross. And that bloody little baby grew up and he became a bloody crucified man. The first gift at the first Christmas didn't go under a tree. He climbed up on one to take away the sins of the world because his name is what he does. He is Jesus and he came to save. I'm not giving a TED talk like, hey man, let's go. Like, let's give him praise for what he did. That was what he did. That's what he did. Now, I need you, um, I need you to have a picture of this in your head. And so let me close like this. I, I wanna give you a picture. So I've been talking about a day that we're never gonna forget the first Christmas, but let me take you back to another day that most of us were alive for that you won't forget 9-11, 9-11. 
Um, a lot of people don't know this. On 9-11, they only pulled 12 survivors out of the towers after they collapsed. Two of them were two police officers named Will Jimenez and John McLaughlin. That was two of them. Um, what's interesting is they weren't pulled out by like a heroic firefighter or an active duty medical officer. They were pulled out by an accountant. Let's show some love for our accountants, man. Y'all are boring, awesome people. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. We love all of our accountants. We love y'all. You're not all boring. Okay. And so this guy's name, they did that. His, his name was Dave Carnes. This is Dave Carnes. Now, here's a story on Dave Carnes is um, when he saw the second plane fly into the tower, um, somebody else at work said, our nation is at war. And because Dave Carnes had spent 23 years in active military duty as a Marine, he said something welled up in him and he felt a responsibility to act. So without telling anybody, he didn't tell anybody, he just went to his boss and said, hey, I've got to go. I have something I need to do. Because he thought he was going to die, he drove straight to a barber and asked for a Marine-style crew military cut. Then he drove home really fast, listen to my language, stripped himself of his dress slacks, clothed himself in his military fatigues, got in his Porsche and went on a long distance rescue mission to seek and to save anybody that had been buried that was lost. Now, let me go back to Will Jimenez and John McLaughlin. When they heard, they were inside the towers. When they heard the top level of the tower start to crumble, they knew a hundred stories of rubble is about to crush us. So Will Jimenez grabbed his partner, John McLaughlin, and threw him into an open elevator shaft, jumped in after him. They plummeted multiple stories down and they were buried underneath over a hundred stories of rubble at the bottom of that elevator shaft, just encased in there, alive. Listen, they had no hope of rescuing themselves, no hope. But Dave Carnes came in and he had, listen, he had stripped himself of his dress slacks, clothed himself in military fatigues, gone on a long distance rescue mission at the risk of his life. And he was walking around the rubble yelling this, if you can hear me, yell or tap. If you can hear me, yell or tap. If you can hear me, yell or tap. And Will Jimenez heard him and he stayed there as long as it took at the risk of his life. And eventually he pulled those two men out of the rubble who could not save themselves because he had gone on that rescue mission. Now, is any of this sounding familiar to y'all? Do you guys know what happened at the first Christmas? Let me just say something to you because I love you. You right now, you are buried underneath the weight of your sin and guilt and shame. And listen, there is no hope of you rescuing yourself. You cannot do it. But there was a man who stripped himself of the glory of heaven, clothed himself, the Bible says, with human flesh went on a long distance rescue mission, not at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. And when you were, the Bible says, Romans 3, still a sinner, at just the right time, Christ came and he died for the ungodly. 
And the Bible says that right now he's going, uh, I stand at the door and knock. If, if anybody will open that door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me and we're gonna be one. In other words, Jesus is going around right now having come to earth at the first Christmas and he's going, if you can hear me, yell or tap. If you can hear me yell or tap, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and I'll redeem you and rescue you out of that situation from which you cannot rescue yourself because my name is Yeshua and my name is what I do. I came to save, I did not come to condemn. That's what he did at Christmas. Now, some of you right now, there's like something stirring in you and you're starting to realize like, man, like I need that. Like, you got, God, I got myself in a situation and I can't fix it. I can't, I can't fix this thing on my own. And so, God, I need you. And you're realizing you need to cross the line of faith. Man, if that's you, let me just say this. My question is, have you had a personal Christmas? It would not matter if Jesus was born a thousand times in Bethlehem. If he is not born into your heart, you will be lost. And so if you're realizing, like, man, maybe I need to cross the line of faith and, and know him. Well, then would you do this at all of our campuses? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now? All of our campuses. And if you're realizing that you need to cross that line of faith, would you just pray this? Would you pray this from a sincere heart? Just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe I've lived for other things besides you first. Man, just silently in your seat, just pray this. But I believe the cross somehow in some way counted for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead from this day forward, sincere heart right now, pray this, from this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. I receive forgiveness, mercy, and adoption as a son or a daughter of the living God. And hey, Lake Point family, right now, can we be thanking God and giving thanks, celebrating people that right now, all of us, amen. That people, you don't know this, but people all over the room right now, they're coming home, like they're having personal Christmases. Now, um, let me just say this, if that's you, and you just like crossed a line of faith, here's what I wanna say, here's what I'm asking. Give me one year of your life. That's what I'm asking. You just put a miracle in motion. And if you'll give me one year of your life where you regularly attend worship and prioritize the things of God, y'all heads up, we do this every week. Every week we do this. You give me one year of your life, starting in January, just regularly attending worship. If you do that, I'm gonna make you a promise, your life will never be the same. Your family's life, never gonna be the same. Your kids' lives, never gonna be the same. So that's what I'm saying. Give me one year of your life starting in January and let's do this together. Now, here's what I also wanna say is, um, Lake Point family, we're getting ready right now to receive our Christmas compassion offering. And any other time of the year, if you're new with us, what we say is we don't want your money. This is different because we don't keep anything that's given at a Christmas service. 100% of what's given goes outside our doors to meet the needs of the last, the lost, the least, and the lonely in DFW. So this is the offering that funds things like our food pantry that gets hundreds of thousands of meals to people who are food insecure. It funds our women's shelter that rescues women victims out of human trafficking. Our car and transportation ministry gets people to and from work that are trying to get out of poverty and having trouble, all this stuff. So as you're gonna start seated, but you can give in one of three ways, in the buckets as they come by, in the boxes on your way out or text the word give to the number 20411. But right now, worship with us both as we give and as we sing. Thanks for listening today. 
For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. slash